Hello, and welcome to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. A weekly radio show featuring conversations with successful women who have shown bravery, integrity, and independent thinking to lead a truly rich and rewarding life. Produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. And now, here's your host of Life on Purpose, Deb Coletti. <laughs> Hi, I'm Deb Coletti, and welcome to Life on Purpose, the weekly radio show where I will be talking to some pretty fascinating, fantastic women that I've known over my career, uh, worked with, um, met, known, and uh, want to know more about who are living their life, uh, to me, uh, very much in a purposeful way, in integrity have made some courageous choices and tough choices and uh, talking to you and bringing you into the discussion as we talk each week about things that interest me and hopefully interest you. Far ranging, no limits, <laughs> no bounds, uh, edgy, sublime to the ridiculous. I promise we will get there and you will see on today's show it's pretty uh, irreverent and, uh, and we do go into many subjects. Sometimes we'll laugh, sometimes we'll get serious. What is it to live a life on purpose? Um, I'm talking to women. They have chosen a left turn where one might have taken a right. And beyond that, they all reached out to find something more. And what that something more is what I'm all about and finding that passion Um, and be discussing with them and you each week. We invite you in to join in that discussion. Uh, As you're listening to the show today, I I encourage you to take notes. And at the end of the show, uh, the last uh, 10, 15 minutes, we're going to bring in your voice. And I want to hear from you, all those edges, where your life is happy and how you made it happier, um, where you're bored and where you want more, um, and where you know you're confused or what it's like to be a, a a mom not working now. And speaking of that, my guest today is a dear old friend who I've known for many years. She was a childhood friend that I reconnected with recently, Elizabeth Quam. Um, she is uh, leading a very fascinating life right now, and she is choosing not to work uh, in this stage of her life. The reason behind it is she's got a life partner at the moment for the last 10 years who is sitting on the board of different companies uh, all over the world. They are based in London. They have a house in uh, the south of France. They uh, have a house in upstate New York. They visit New York or Martha's Vineyard or many different places. Australia, he has uh, sits on the board there. Um, so she has chosen to, you know what, hang up her working hat and support him and follow him around the globe and go with him. And it's a full-time job for her. And she doesn't see it as having given up a career or really anything. Um, her children are grown. You'll hear all about that. She's got a global perspective. And she has to face those those dinner parties and cocktail parties like, like I had to do. And we all have had to do, I think, in our lives where, what do you do? Where did you go to college at those cocktail parties? Like, ah. That moment, don't we hate those moments? I don't like them. I faced that in, uh, for a time when I was between careers, going, now what am what am I going to be when I grow up? And it was tough. It was tough. So I went to the school gate. I would go every day to pick up my little children at school when I lived in London for a patch, and going, you know what? I would pretend to be the nanny. I didn't want, you know, it was hard to be the the mom at the school gate and uh, going to PTAs and things like that. And it it's fine for some. It wasn't. It was uncomfortable. It was I didn't, and I finally found my my passion. And it was okay to be my kid's mom for that patch, but it did push some buttons for me, uh, insecurity and all of that, to not be working. So. Those are my choice. Those those were my choices at the time, and it rattled some cages, in the feminist world that I do live in too. And I admire someone like Elizabeth who is choosing to do this. And and people go, really, really? Were you writing a book? Well, actually, she probably is writing a book, but because she reads avidly. But she's uh, and could write many books or a comedy show. Wait till you hear her. Uh, you will see how irreverent she is and how brilliant and funny and wise and uh, uh, her career is who she 
be, not what she do, if you know what I'm saying. And hopefully you'll find it very entertaining and um, some deep uh, passion for her life as it is and uh, tough choices and some serious parts of her life and choices that she's had to make. So uh, wherever you're listening, in your backyard, uh, in the back porch, on uh, your iPhone like I like to listen to podcasts (laughs) or radio shows, wherever you are in your car, take note, please join in. We want to hear from you. We want this to be a lively exchange. Uh, We're going to take a break now, and when we come back, you're going to meet Elizabeth Quam, K-V-A-M, by a vowel, Elizabeth. Back soon. You're listening to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Paul Trulov on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Ladies, have you tried Internet dating? Do you feel safe? Do you worry about Internet privacy? Well, you should. And this Thursday on Vicki Child's show, P.I. Answers, we have someone very special in the studio, Cynthia Harrington, a private eye who specializes in cyber investigations. Before you accept your next Internet date, talk to Cynthia. She'll tell you how to check out that guy on Match.com and how to stay safe. She'll be here live telling you P.I. secrets and answering your questions. That's Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Life on Purpose. Once again, here's your host, Deb Coletti. This is Deb and and Elizabeth Huam, a.k.a. Missy Daly. (laughs) How about that? And uh, Missy is someone I've known for um, many years, probably more years of my life than anyone else I've known. Uh, And she's here with me in New York City and uh, visiting from London, where she hails most of the time. And Elizabeth, uh, I will call you Elizabeth. I I won't call you Missy if you don't call me Debbie. Okay. I haven't been (laughs) Missy, technically, since I turned 50, for obvious reasons. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, speak right up. Don't, okay. don't be shy. I won't be shy. <laughs> All right. Um, because we're talking about uh, how you've lived your life on purpose, and you've lived a very, very, a very varied life um, from uh, our small town, Wilbraham, growing up to uh, living in London and traveling the world with careers and children and things in between. Give me an overview. What What is it that you've done, and how did you get there doing it? Well, that's kind of a big question, but uh, let's see if I'm equal to it. Uh, what did I do? Where did I start? I started in a big family. Oh, I had yeah. seven brothers and no sisters. <laughs> and uh, as a matter of fact, Deb and her sisters were sort of surrogate sisters to me, and they still are. Anyway, so I went from this little town, and um, I ended up, uh, I always, I went to New York for the first time when I was 14, and Deb's father and mother brought me there um, with their family and we ate at a restaurant called the Cattleman and we went on this sort of horse you know horse and buggy to, to you know which is part of their their sort of PR deal and I decided when I was 14 that I would live in New York forever mm. so that's that was where a I turning started. point that's interesting that I was a turning that, point yeah. and it was your parents who yep. introduced stayed me stayed at the city squire as I recall stayed that was actually just a day trip but I oh. went in I went in other times with your dad on his buying trips um for joseph's yeah uh, men's uh clothing store and growing up in the 60s i remember you were the twiggy of the neighborhood that actually the julie christie with the long blonde hair and the straight bangs and uh yeah the beautiful model girl and it didn't uh, seem like that to me deb always had a nose her nose in the books so you were a very literary girl always a reader it was my escape Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it still is my escape and went on to college and left us all behind and went off to barnard to the big city to the big city yeah and and yes and we brown haired dark haired girls the italian family down the road (laughs) and uh, tell me more about your your barnard experience and why why you chose well actually somebody had given me the idea i like the idea that barnard was in um manhattan and um my parents had insisted that I go to a Catholic girls' school in Washington, D.C. And that worked out really well, because you did not. <laughs> I did for a year. Oh, you did? Um, it was like a convent finishing school. Nice girls. Um, I thought I was much better than that. But the truth is, I was number one in the class, and that's not where you should be. I'm not... That just showed you that the school was, you know, it was a bit backward, and and I wanted more, and I, I 
pick Barnard, and I got in, and I certainly got more than I bargained for. Mm-hmm. And you weren't you the girl in, speaking of Catholic girls' school, uh, at church, I would look over, and Elizabeth of Missy at the time would be reading uh, a book inside of the the, the Bible. Well, <laughs> it was they called the Missiles. The Missile. The, the Missile, yes. I would always right. have a, a, a cunning paperback tucked in. Right. It was J.D. Salinger or I something. I think it was yeah. Catcher in the Wild, <laughs> Ride, Franny and Zooey, whatever. Um, inappropriate. Inappropriate. Her father would to give her an almost backhand look, at least. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, the, 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 you were always a bit of a rebel. Definitely the rebel. And yeah. I learned the, my all, all my rebel ways from you, actually. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then you went on to do, uh, after Barnard, you, you got into the arts, which is interesting. Yes, I thought I would go into publishing because it was a natural. I was an English major and I was obsessed with reading, but I got an offer to be administrative assistant to a um, well-known uh, art dealer who at that point was the preeminent dealer for 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th, well, 18th, 19th, and 20th um, century American painting and sculpture. So I took that job and never looked back. Yeah, and that was a gallery in Madison Avenue in New York. And for our listeners, I'm sure you all, if you collect art or visit museums, it was a serious gallery where you were. What was your job Still there? Still there. Oh, yeah. I was I was assistant to uh, the uh, owner, one of the owner partners. And um, it was, it, at that point, this gallery had an encyclopedic uh, collection of American painting and sculpture. So it was as good as being in an auction house, there was so much volume coming through, and I, I loved the pictures, and I had a good, I had a good memory for pictures and artists and styles, and um, I went on to another gallery after that. I needed to make a, f- a few more dollars than I was making. I was living in dire poverty. It was very difficult to sh- put new heels on my old shoes. <laughs> There's that expression called "down at heel," and I was down at heel. <laughs> And this is single life still. This is pre-marriage? Pre-marriage. Pre-marriage. You know, living in a sort of a terrible studio apartment in the East East 40s. It was, it was a good time, but it was a, it was a a funny time. You know, it was this, it was the early 70s. Um, New York was not a safe place to live. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, anyway, I had to leave to make more money and I went on to another gallery and I stayed in the gallery business. Let's see. It was probably 17 years, then stopped working for about 10 years um, when I raised my kids in West Hartford, and then I went back in 2000. I remember you commuted from West Hartford back to New York because with three kids. I had done that actually from 82 on. I commuted. um, I went two days a week. Because you loved what you were doing. I loved what I was doing. And, And I missed New York and... So it made our home life very chaotic. I'm, I'm, I don't think it was a good decision, but yeah. uh, it was. Anyway, it seemed I did it. good at the time. It seemed and good at the time. Yeah. I commuted through two pregnancies right up to the you know last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember st- you know uh, hurtling along Route 84 with the sunroof open because I was hot, and <laughs> truck drivers would sort of whistle and look down at my. <laughs> gigantic belly. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I go, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> From the neck up, you're a hottie, but whoa, oh, baby. Well, I don't think I'm so hot. <laughs> Always and still are. So here you are, um, flush forward to, uh, based in London, a whole new life. Whole new life. And uh, there is a turning point. Uh, a divorce always that does that. We can talk about that without going into detail, but mm-hmm. really it's how... What were the big change-up moments? Uh, obviously, divorce. Divorce, um, leaving the big, the big house. The big house, exactly. Making a choice to do that. Making and a choice to do that. Not, not re- regret having terrible regrets about the marriage, but no regrets about leaving the lifestyle or the big house. Right. Which you gave up a lot. I gave to a, go a off lot on your own. Yep. On the other hand, I asked the kids to give it up too. Right. So that was, uh, and, you know. Just a decision. Right. And and modeling good choices for your kids, too, have, who are making their own choices in life. We share that experience where we've kind of moved on and are from relationships that were good, good enough, but not really satisfying. And that's that's what this show was about a lot to me, is how to lead a, a truly rich life. It was rich. It had nice things, beautiful homes, and beautiful. The picture was perfect with your three kids and the house and the married to a neurosurgeon. Hopefully he's not listening if he is. It's, it's true. It's true stories, yeah. as is mine. Um, and I made a decision four or five years ago to walk the walk and not just talk about it, um, which you did in your life, too. 
and things have changed dramatically. You have a new man in your life who I do. you live in London now with and travel the world and aren't choosing not to work, which I applaud. Um, I interview a lot of, I have conversations with a lot of people that have serious careers and do wonderful things and purposeful, and you're living your life on purpose, traveling, and tell us more about how that, how. Well, the thing is, at you're one very point, satisfied with that. Very satisfied. We live, um, it's, it's sort of hard to figure out where we live and how much we live there, but th- about three months in England, three months in France, three months in the States, and the rest of it traveling because my partner has two children in Australia, so um, we live out of a suitcase. <laughs> there is When people say where's home, I'd say Michael's home, wherever he is, but right. that's, that's uh, nice. there's no place anymore. Mm-hmm. So. You're home when you're together. We're home when we're together. Yeah, I used to say it's where we hang our hat, kids. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly, and I... I don't. Ha- I have a little bit of regret about that, about not having a home, but not much. Yeah. Well, you you carry it well, and that you don't have your career with you, and that we go to cocktail parties, and people say, "What do you do?" Go. What's your answer to that question? I'm comfortable. Um, not having to say anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, for years I worried about those questions at cocktail parties because my generation yeah. was very keen on. But you go to college, having, having it all. Yeah. Well, you had to. Say, I mean, within two seconds you have to you let got people to say it. Barnard by way of you know, which is part of Columbia, which is la la la. Right. I got to say LaSalle Junior College. What? Yeah, but that was a <laughs> you know, it was horrible. You had something to say. You didn't no, have to. It was horrible. I have a friend who lies about where they went to school, and exactly. no, at least you didn't do that. I went to Princeton on the way well, to Trenton. <laughs> <laughs> I remember your dad saying that. No, exactly. <laughs> but in America, that's very important. And I met a Canadian uh, woman years ago, and she went to a West Hartford cocktail party, and somebody, she'd gone to um, McGill, which is a very fine school in Canada, and and uh, somebody said uh, instantly upon meeting her, where did you go to college? And mm-hmm. she said, who cares? It was 35 years ago. I love that answer. It's and a good answer. I love this answer, too. What do you do? Anything I want. Anything I want. <laughs> Anything the hell I want, That's which is, it, but as one can, as one does. <laughs> and what is what were we joking about yesterday? Uh, uh, because you're, bec- uh, we're getting out of the taxi talking about because not everybody can do this or something. Not everybody has the luxury, the luxury of stepping out of yes, taxis in New York. Stepping out of taxis in New York, exactly. What, and we know that and we appreciate that, but the, and you got to appreciate the good things. How do you give back? How do you keep yourself humble and feet on the ground? Oh dear! Um, Friends like me slap you upside the head now and then. Exactly, (laughs) slap me silly bitch. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think humility is that much of a problem for me. Yeah. Um, The thing is, you grow up in a big family. People put you in your place. Um, The world puts you in your place pretty fast. You realize that you're not the smartest. You're not the prettiest. Humor. You're not the best person. You're not the best anything. You're just someplace in there on the spectrum, and that's going to have to be good enough and you try to get better yeah yeah in every way yeah you try to be i think as i got older being mm, sort of doing sounds stupid and uh but that doing the right thing and was important to me right right doing and the right thing more than more than about making money i miss having a job i miss the social networking um, it's not possible to work. Usually your boss wants you to show up on a Monday and work till Friday. And you can't do that when you're traveling. So, But um, I miss that. All right. Stay with us. We're going to take a break and be back in a few minutes. To join in the conversation with Deb Coletti from Life on Purpose, please call 646-652-2071 or log on and chat with her at hearwomentalk.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Ladies, have you tried Internet dating? Do you feel safe? Do you worry about Internet privacy? Well, you should. And this Thursday on Vicki Child's show, P.I. Answers, we have someone very special in the studio, Cynthia Harrington, a private eye who specializes in cyber investigations. Before you accept your next Internet date, talk to Cynthia. She'll tell you how to check out that guy on Match.com and how to stay safe. She'll be here live telling you P.I. secrets and answering your questions. That's Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk. This is Dottie Laster, the host of Trafficked, an hour-long discussion about human trafficking in the United States. 
Join me as we meet guests from around the world and locally who are combating the fastest growing crime in the world. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio and the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Life on Purpose. Once again, here's your host, Deb Coletti. Hi, I'm back here with Elizabeth Quam, and uh, we're going to be talking about choices that we have made in our lives. And uh, what, what, Elizabeth, would you say uh, were important choices, things that you said yes to and things you chose to say no to? Hmm. I make this, this subject makes me very nervous. That's it. That's good. <laughs> that means there's something there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Hmm. I think of that smart woman, foolish choices. Remember that? Uh, no. Say more about that. Don't, don't you remember a book called Smart Women, Foolish Choices? I did not read that. Well, I had a friend who, she only read self-help books, so all I know is titles. <laughs> it's really funny. Men who hate women and the women who love them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, you who only reads titles that you mean no, with self-help? No, 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 no. So, no, but a friend of mine only read self-help books. Oh, okay. In, gotcha. in, in when when Harry met Sally, there was there, there you know they were in the self help book of the right. Book. Anyway, yeah. it's a very big subject, but I don't read those books. I, just, I see. But you I read like the, the titles. I like the titles <laughs> a lot. Anyway, choices. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The choice to leave a marriage. Yeah. Um, was that a good choice? Mm. Um, possibly not. It was made. It was made under a lot of duress in mm. a bad year. Um, year of being sick and having a sick child and having a husband who couldn't really cope mm-hmm. with the whole thing and um, you know it's uh, that's another thing that you, at three o'clock in the morning I have a very good life and I mm. I don't think that my husband and I were very compatible but so. you know what sometimes my parents weren't compatible but they've been married 67 years do you imagine yourself being still married to David though I not really because yeah. because when the when the stuff the ugly stuff comes out that still comes out every mm-hmm. now and then I think to myself Oops, selective this is why, memory this yeah. is why because you want to th- remember the good things mm-hmm. sometimes that year of badness that led to everything it's just it's just like an, it was just a nightmare yeah. and you know there were some good times so you know why didn't I why did why couldn't I ride that out right so we well, are highlighting the fact that n- these tough choices are not easy choices they're not clear and they still not are not clear that's true and that it's uh, not cut and dry oh yeah fine I'm just gonna walk out you know or walk away and even the how many years later 10 15 years it's been 15 years 15 since we separated and, le- and 11 years since we we're divorced right but then they're the good choices the good choices the choice I'd gotten a job when I was 50, back in the art business, it was hard one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. I was, you know, I wasn't making commission, you know, uh, but it was a job and I got health insurance, which I didn't have. Um, and then I met Michael in early 2003. And after winning that job and that, that networking and that connection being very important to me, I left it for him mm. to, li- to, be, to go on the road with That's him. That's an interesting... And that was a great choice. Yeah. Although it leaves you somewhat unanchored in terms of... Um, but you, your eyes were wide open. Totally wide open. Yeah. I knew. At that I, age and time. With, at that yeah. age and time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew that, I knew that, um, that it was, it was going to be a great life, but it was going to be, it was going to be f- a little bit fraught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For those cocktail party moments where you have exactly. to say, "I am a traveling I, uh, partner." I am. I uh, live in the economy section of planes, and that's where I am. And yeah, <laughs> but it's Oops, a sorry about that, Wes. <laughs> um, but it's um, it's a it's a somewhat rootless life. But um, I've seen places that I always wanted to travel, mm-hmm. and in my former life, I could not travel. When you're married to a doctor, you don't go many places. Some doctors do, but most of them not really so need yeah. they need to go someplace and put their feet up. You do really don't want to ask them um, right. to. They need to recharge. So, and you've chosen a person to spend your life with now, um, who is your life partner, as we call it. And he is a man, not a woman, but you never know. <laughs> in that life partner category, who is very humorous, and I'm guessing I knew David back in the day. He wasn't very funny. I'm sure he had a light side. Uh, but he, he could he could be funny, but you know that the funny is important to you. Funny is important to me. I really I just I've. 
I, I know that life is serious, but I've never been able to take much seriously. Yeah. It's a big flaw. About what age would you say you are uh, mentally, emotionally, mm, behaviorally? I think I hover at about 14. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, you know, likewise. I'm, <laughs> I enjoy still, that. I'm still enamored of Holden Caulfield and Catcher yeah. in the Rye. I still, um, you know, I still I have a stupid sense of humor, and I, I, I can make faces, and um, <laughs> my mother said my face would freeze, and, you know, she's probably right, but, you know, I'm really stupid, and I, I love being with you and and Michael and we bring out and, the stupid and, and oh, each yeah, other. It's you know very what? fun. What I love, and I have like only on one hand, do I have people that I can be like this with? To be totally unedited, it's to say great. stupid stuff, and sometimes it flies and sometimes it and doesn't. And it only makes people around you more uh, open and loose and ridiculous. And we sing together and we ride up trams together. Absolutely. We end up in Ischgl, Austria together. Absolutely. By total. And what was that all about? Oh Ta- my God. Why don't I interview? How did that happen? Oh my God. So visiting Elizabeth and Michael in the south of France at their beautiful home, they have for a night. They've invited friends for dinner, English friends. They're Irish, Irish. actually. The they're best people in the, the world. best people in the world Irish friends for dinner in their home in France and my friend Wes my partner Wes and I are in the south of France visiting Michael and Missy we have this fabulous six Din- dinner for six with these Irish people that live in London. A total instant click. Click, exactly. And we uh, had a good drinking wine, eating this fabulous food. They say our daughter's getting married uh, in six months in Ischgl, Austria. An Irish wedding in Austria. And you know what? Wes and Deb, you're invited. And we went, don't ask me twice because <laughs> I will go. <laughs> and fast forward, j- January uh, 09. January, January 09. We're on a plane meeting Elizabeth and, and Michael and and, and Where Dara did we meet? And did we meet in Austria? No, no we, we went flew into Munich or something. Munich, Zurich right. or Munich. Because we went to the oh, oh right. my we went to Dachau. Dachau. We did. We took the the, uh, the history good. tour and then we went up the mountain to Ischgl where we literally we were wet wedding crashers. We did not know the bride and the groom, uh, Wes and I, and Elizabeth and Michael knew them, but we ended up having a five day Irish wedding in Austria. And the mother of the bride has the opposite of me, eight sisters and oh one my brother. Oh, God. And Wes charmed each and every one. They could. They I mean, danced the dance with each never and every stopped, one. They've never stopped talking about you guys. Oh. They never stopped talking about you guys. And if that ain't life on purpose, that That's is just jumping really, off the cliff and, and going, sounds, yes, yes, don't ask me twice, we don't will come. Exactly. <laughs> it was it was the most brilliant, brilliant occasion. I know. Um, and the tram ride up to the night before the wedding. Remember the rehearsal dinner? Oh, that was unbelievable. Oh, my God. We had 20 people in the tram Crying, screaming, crying, talking about Sonny Bono hitting. Tr- oh my God, catastrophizing! Catastrophizing! Oh my God, that was we that was the theme of the trip. The theme of the I trip. I kept on reciting the airplane crashes, the <laughs> you know planes flying into cables of <laughs> cable car cables, and trams falling from the, the exactly sky. Sonny Bono into trees. Oh my God! Oh my God. God! It was terrible. It was catastrophizing, horrifying. and I thought I Michael was, driving around I thought ravines. Was, I thought that <laughs> was a neologism. I thought I had invented something, but according to other people, catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is actually a word in it's modern. A word. And Elizabeth does it so well. I, and, yeah. then, and, and then, then <laughs> and then, and then, the car stopped on the railroad tracks. Oh my God, the car stopped the train. They didn't have any time to get off the car. <laughs> it was on the eve of oh, his sh- wedding day. I know. And oh she my. was left at the. Oh my God. You don't even want to know. It couldn't be an open coffin. It could be. <laughs> Oh my God! Are we being we cried. We, we are being so stupid. But we had the best I am a stupid time. Person, and There's that's really that's what we do. And this is why if my mother didn't drink. She, well, <laughs> I, I don't think she drank a lot. But you know, in those days, women drank in their pregnancy. I tell my mother all the time that we were meant to be really smart people. She knocked thirty IQ points off. <laughs> that's why how I ended up like this. Ma, you shouldn't have had that dikery. <laughs> Exactly, and those cigarettes, not to mention. I don't think oh, she smoked, but mine you know, did both. Oh my God, those allergies I have. Thank oh you, Mama. Oh my God, right? Yes. You were born with black lung disease. Oh, let's catastrophize about black lung disease. Exactly, and we thank God we don't do that about our aging, but we could. We, we could. could. We could. You know let's what? not. I used to think. I used to feel so sorry for when I was a kid. I felt sorry for older people, and this is what I thought. You're almost dead in my mind. I, I felt. Oh my God, they're almost dead. That's so sad. <laughs> And now, the closer I get to the uh, to the big, uh, you know, the what do you, what, the big train crash? What do they say? <laughs> with the that's not 
that's not the light at the end of the tunnel. That's an oncoming train. <laughs> that's an oncoming train. <laughs> As I get closer to that oncoming the train. The white light. They see, I'm they, happier they see and the happier. white light. Yeah. This is, you know what? Youth is wasted on the young. It's true. I am so much happier, and I don't really worry about I mean, I do. I'm sorry that my thighs <laughs> look like uh, Austrian window treatment. You know those Austrian <laughs> balloon shades? They're sort of, they look like sort of drapery. Listen. But, you know. She lies. But anyway, but, yes. Oh, yeah. You know what? Long shorts. Long shorts. Long shorts. <laughs> Can we just talk about that for a minute? Women over a certain age and over a certain weight. Shorts, no, no, please. No shorts, no skorts. Uh, uh, no. What? I don't know. No, the well, skirts. the thing is, is that even it, in hot weather, wear a shift. Wear a shift. Not you know a mumu, a shift. I wear shorts at home. But, but you can. But I don't got wear. Long, no, 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 no. Lovely no, legs. No, no, no. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing sh- skirts above the knee. All right, um, no, yes. It's just, you know, nobody wants to see... Um, Ruined thighs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a place we visited in Rome. The, ruined the, the ruins. One of the great ruins of the world. <laughs> <laughs> and the great wonders. <laughs> Do you ever hear a man? There was a great commercial the other, you know, a couple of years ago. Men saying unlikely things like "I got my thighs from my mother." <laughs> I love that one. Yes. Wasn't that funny? Does this does, does this suit look good on me? Does this suit make me look fat? Does this yeah? Does this make my ass look big? <laughs> They, they don't sh- care. They just don't, they don't care. care. It's, it's like true. their value, unless you're George Clooney or something, but their value <laughs> is not tied up. No. And, it's, you know, therein lies the thing. They why think, is I'm the so package. I'm making money. I'm the power guy here. The, as long as you have the American Express card glued your forehead. Exactly. Your the black card, guaranteed. preferably. The, exactly. is, it, is that the big it's one the now? the black card, yes. The one that costs like thousands a year? Yeah, exactly. What do you get for to that? Get. What do you, you get for that? Card blanche. <laughs> 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 What's the difference between a black card and a yellow card? What? Card blanche. I don't know. It's like the difference between an alcoholic <laughs> and a drunk. Yeah. What? If you're a drunk, you don't have to go to the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> is that stupid? And probably it's not funny. It probably isn't funny, but it is It is uh, irreverent, and that is you, Elizabeth. Thank We love you for it. Uh, We're going to be back in a few minutes with more of this banter. Come on back. To join in the conversation with Deb Coletti from Life on Purpose, please call 646-652-2071 or log on and chat with her at hearwomantalk.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Life on Purpose. Once again, here's your host, Deb Coletti. So, we're back uh, with Elizabeth, and uh, we were talking about uh, eating habits and how we're, you know, we're off bread for five days, and I do I'm the, off bread forever. I do this. I wish I could say I haven't, haven't had a piece of bread for 40 years, but... <laughs> I just had an English muffin because I you made me. I did the zone for breakfast, Weight Watchers for lunch, and uh, Suzanne Summers diet for di- for dinner. It's a diet and is, meal. Is Suzanne Summers still around? She is. And it's a great diet, actually. It's food combining. I like it. But we are obsessed with food, and I call it. And this is like, hello world. Are we all? Is it an eating disorder or is it disordered eating? And if we're not obsessing on it and, and not eating all these things and becoming anorexic, eat a donut. I say to these skinny bitch models that I see on the street. Uh, as it's, I look at you and I, I don't think anorexia is the no, problem. No, it is not. But we have disordered eating because we're always we obsessing we're about obsessed. it. Obsessed. Um, yeah. If having to have a sandwich because nothing else is available in Europe, you, you stop on the side of the road and you have a baguette. It's really hard for me to have a baguette. It tastes good, but yep. all that. And what's up with when you travel and you are actually happy? People say that, and that's purposeful eating, when you're actually, when you slow down and eat, you don't gain weight. And if you're eating in Italy and you're having tr- fun and traveling, you don't gain weight. There's some something to the psychology of enjoying your, what you do. Do you believe that's true? 
I think it's true. I think if you slow down mm-hmm. and eat very, very slowly, my partner is, is wonderful at that. I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I have to force myself to One eat One of slowly. eight kids, Dolph. You always, you know, you have to eat it before somebody else takes it. Right. I always feel like I'm eating and running to catch a bus, and I got, you know, that's disordered, but I work on it. When you look back at your life, is there anything we can impart to our daughters to help them just relax about that? I watch my daughter who is, you know, ran the New York Marathon last year, is the size two, six foot tall, and works in fashion. So, of course, she's in that world. She's very healthy. She eats like a truck driver, but she's conscious all the time about what she eats and, you know, and food combining and all that kind of thing. At my age now, I go, I just want to fit in my clothes. I want to look okay. But we've done that to them. Not just just society, but the, the magazines. And I have two daughters who are always, you know, going up or going down, as somebody said. You know, Mm. people are, I think I've made the girls very self-conscious about their weight. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I regret that. I think that the best thing to do is to... To if, if you're a size 10, fine. It's it's perfectly good. And right. then, although I've noticed that the the best way to get into a magazine if you're a star is to to lo- to lose a dangerous amount of weight. It seems to be instant. instant yeah, you're on um, the front page attention. of People absolutely. magazine. Yep, yeah, absolutely. what's her name recently? It's just ridiculous. Catherine Zeta Jones all yeah. of a sudden turned into a. Ra- she was a very normal, you know, healthy, gorgeous body. But who knows why? What her reasons were? I don't judge because yeah, I say that with we? opinion, not judgment. But yeah, still. Right. <laughs> it's not my. It's not my <laughs> but it's it's frightening because it is the the norm now. The new norm is zero. Size zero is zero, uh, and yeah, fighting that size eight. It's just the way it is. But and the other issue, you know, uh, having a perfect face, having an airbrushed life. Yeah, and we were talking about we're, when we're flying to Brazil next year. When your oh, partner yeah. Michael, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to go to Brazil and we're going to book our doctors. Done. Yeah, and we're joking about where we're going to start. <laughs> and and we joke about it and we say we're going to do it. But you yeah. know what? It's part of that doing the right thing. Will we get to that point right, and say, this right. is stupid. You know, this we're almost, stupid. I'm almost 60. What's the point? I want to look like Katherine Hepburn when she's, you know, 90 years old with the bun and the gray with, hair. With the shaky, with the shaky exactly. too? Well, no, no, I'll give up the shaky. But yeah, but <laughs> she, uh, aging that way is my dream. I know. But I know. maybe she did a few little things. Can I we do a few things? I don't think she did anything, honestly. I know. I would, like to do, I would like to do a few things. But then I say to myself, you know. Self? <laughs> self? <laughs> Hello, George. It's like, you know what? You know, yeah. maybe it's time to just get gracious, graciously, gracefully. You know what Dr. Oz said that elderly. really nailed it for me? And I'd never Dr. heard this speak. Dr. Oz. Do you know who he is? Mehmet Oz. He's, oh, uh, yes, he's yes, uh, yes. the leading authority on medical, everything medical these days. He has his own show on TV. He said something. Look, ladies, women out there, you don't need to worry about the size of your thighs, your size of your boobs, your lips, and all that. When men look at you or people look at you, they see the whole thing. They're not looking at what your knees look like. Look like what you think and are picking apart they're looking at the whole thing and if you're smiling and if you're happy and if you're exuding joy that's what they see and i'm like hello light bulb that was good point i wanted that my girls you don't need to a facelift you need to have a smile because smiling yeah. takes all those that's downward right. muscles and pushes them up that's a little right bit. so smile and a lot and be happy right do you ever have days where you walk around and i just walk around and i go i'm there's t- telepathy is that is that the word telepathy Telepathy. That's a fish. Tilapia. <laughs> so, I'm he, like a. Uh, people are transmitting. They can. I'm transmitting something because I'm happy. Yes. And, I, and people Everybody's are picking attracted. up on it. Everybody's attracted. And I'm to like, you. people are smiling at me. Am I smiling at them? What's going on? And it's just you feel levitated, it, like you're levitating a little bit, and I'm emanating this energy in certain days. And Absolutely. and it is a. That's your own joy coming through I think it makes you beautiful and beautiful to other people right and not my thighs or my knees and how much I ate today so if I could impart that to you know if I can believe it myself then the down days which I don't necessarily well then you know then it's only natural to see yeah. the, to see the woman with perfectly cut arms we all know what cut arms I, I Kelly Ripa yeah no and it's great mm. yeah, but you have to work you have to work so hard at that mm. are you going to do that Deb I, I've done that for so many years or 
remember being by my pool on Martha's Vineyard and my friend going, Doing leg lifts? Look at those <laughs> arms. You've got these amazing arms. And I work out hard. And I still do work out hard. Those arms are never going to be quite like that no, ever again. I know what you mean. And not unless you spend your whole day doing it. And I'm not really it. letting go of that. It's really annoying to me. I go to spinning class three times a week. And, oh, you God, know, you're good. Yeah, I you ride travel, my bike to it's hard to do class. that kind yeah. of stuff. It well, is. it's easy to fall into slothful habits. <laughs> do you know who was on the plane when we flew from London? Joan Rivers. And how did she look in person? You know what? I know everybody criticizes her. Yes, her face does not move. <laughs> but um, I think she's, uh, she's fabulous. I think she's. I don't know. I just she was she was with a handler from uh, British Airways, our, our favorite airline, and uh, she was she was so nice and to, she was being so pleasant. And she said she seems like a very happy person. I know she's had a lot of tragedy in her life. By the way, she was a Barnard grad too. She was. That's right. She was. Yep. Uh, she did a fundraiser for Barnard many many years ago. Um, smart at self-made smart, woman. Smart, self-made woman actually that's and still funny being funny that that's my yeah that's being funny would be the best it's like having a great voice i'd like to have be really really funny and be able to sing like barbara streisand yeah those are two great things other things i could you know i could live without yeah no and it's it's uh i would say one of your saving graces through your life is the fact that you just blew a bubble into your water bottle no i didn't but i made plastic noises one of the funniest people i i will ever know and uh yeah yeah, but it saved it saved through all of these things that you've lived in your life the good you know you we, know how it is it it's it saves you yeah and actually it reminds me of another subject that we have in common which is our, what's up with our eldest children our eldest children seem to have i don't know if this is true in all families but in many people that i know they have a tough time they do my I mean, son some people i think i just honestly you have a, but your son's doing really well he's now. doing really well but for 14 years and he knows that i will be talking about this in different occasions and we don't have to go in depth about it here but uh, having a trouble child is just what it does to you as a parent as a, as a woman as trying to keep going one foot in front of the other humor helps uh good friends help but it, it's really quite uh it's it's hard a force field when it in starts life. that when yeah. it starts that young as it did with us um you just it, it's it's been it's been a constant mm-hmm. and um you're only as happy I, as your least happy child exactly and the thing is is it the con- no matter how hard you try not to do this, the bl- the self blame just mm. it just is there all the time. Mm-hmm. I I God forbid I wake up at three o'clock in the morning because the lists lists of regrets I have as a mother right. are far too long to, to to think about at that very dire mm-hmm. hour of the day. And we did the best we could in di- getting them to the right for the right help and the right things yeah. and so on. And and here we are. With adult children, surviving and doing doing nicely as they are with issues, and right? And always hopeful. Yeah, always hopeful. Exactly. Always and hopeful that it because it's really not in the end. It's what's really hard to watch is somebody in pain. Mm-hmm. That is to watch a kid in pain is the worst thing, and not be able to fix it, and not be able to fix it. Yeah, so and we know that, that. And we can't believe we can't fix it, but I think yeah. that once you've had a child that's been in trouble. Your measurement of happiness is, is, as you said, is dependent on that child. But it's also um, all the things that I wanted changed. I mean, I didn't want so much stuff anymore. Right. Um, I just wanted things to be good. Yeah. I remember saying to myself and my husband at the time and to my son eventually, I never needed you to go to Harvard. You don't need to. I want you to be happy. It used to be when we were had young children and things, private schools or wherever they were going to go to the best nursery school, you know, was getting them in. And then it became, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That just train get, just has go got to school. To, just get off that track, get you know. Train. Yep. I love the article you sent me years ago when my son started where he was just pained and troubled and not able to go to school and so on. And it was an article about when you have children, you think you're taking a trip and you're going to end up in Paris, but it turns out you end up in Holland. And it was beautiful. It was a beautifully written article about how when things change, you just have to go with that. And it it was a total relieving moment. It's not the end of the world if a kid doesn't finish school. Yeah. Or, and then they do. uh, And then they do. That's right. Twelve years later, five universities later, never going to high school. Congratulations, Jameson. You finished. Exactly. And he's done it his way. And he's got the most wonderful story. And we'll have his own radio show someday and talk about that and write books and teach us all. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Jameson and Genevieve could get together and J&G, do... I exactly. Yes, exactly. 
the best book my mother gave me ever was a book called The Hurried Child. I can't mm-hmm. remember who wrote it, but it was about kids growing up too fast in a world that had such high expectations of them. Right. So someday maybe Genevieve and Jameson could talk about The Hurried Child. Uh, and they've never met, which is so interesting. I know, and, and tell the mothers and fathers of the world, slow down. If your kid doesn't speak Mandarin by the time he's seven, <laughs> we'll survive. And <laughs> translate it in French right away. Exactly. Exactly. Am I boring you enough out there? <laughs> no, and th- I think that's a very important subject and one that has guided our lives and not something we chose but was given to us, and then you have to make a choice in how you're going to deal with it. Absolutely. We could have gone the tubes, gone to the Valium route and Valley of the Dolls or nope. uh, checked out, and uh, we do like our glass of wine and our cocktails now and then, but it's uh, managed and maintained, and, and we've got great kids and a great life and uh, it ain't been easy (laughs) that's for sure and it's not easy for a lot of people yeah I just want to say thank you so much, Elizabeth, for taking the time to visit with me today. And uh, what a range of subjects we talked about. Yeah. And callers, we're, I invite you to call in and write in and ask your questions on all these subjects because we, we work the gamut here. The first one will be, shut that woman up. I have no, nothing to ask her because otherwise we'll keep talking. And it was so much fun. And uh, we will continue to live our lives on purpose and make yeah. choices good for the good or better or doing the best we can. Thank you, Elizabeth. And Thank you very much, Deborah. To join in the conversation with Deb Coletti from Life on Purpose, please call 646-652-2071 or log on and chat with her at hearwomentalk.com. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for hearwomentalk.com. Ladies, have you tried Internet dating? Do you feel safe? Do you worry about Internet privacy? Well, you should. And this Thursday on Vicki Child's show, P.I. Answers, we have someone very special in the studio, Cynthia Harrington, a private eye who specializes in cyber investigations. Before you accept your next Internet date, talk to Cynthia. She'll tell you how to check out that guy on Match.com and how to stay safe. She'll be here live telling you P.I. secrets and answering your questions. That's Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk. All right, you ready? Can we get started? Well, we're just going to do that one. Yeah. You ready? Okay. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Donna. Join us Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on hearwomentalk.com. <laughs> Why'd you add that? We added this part. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, start over. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Donna. Join us Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern <laughs> right here on Hear Women Talk. And laugh. Be engaged. Be entertained. Be there. For this Scott and Donna show. Yeah. I was supposed to say well, that. Well, you didn't underline it. Well, I'm supposed to say it, though. Okay, we'll say it. Just knock it off. Be Just quiet. The Scott and Donna Show. Awesome. You satisfied? Be there. All right. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio and the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Life on Purpose. Once again, here's your host, Deb Coletti. Hi, it's Deb, and I am back here with Elizabeth Quam, uh, patched in from London on crutches with a, a broken ankle. <laughs> How'd you go do that? Too bad the crutches are not audible. Oh God, I can only I could. This is a picture we will put on the blog, I think. Um, t- I'm getting some questions here already for you. What a good conversation we had! And uh, sorry, listeners, we do get we get very silly, and silly and stupid kind of helps us get through life. And I hope you all agree on that level. Um, uh, let's see. One person uh, earlier chatted in that they applaud your courage and stand up and, and your ability to stand up for being at home and fulfilling your destiny. Really true, really true. And uh, uh, yes, you are something. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. <laughs> That's just the thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and just use it as material to teach others and support. Yeah, and you've got a lot of wisdom and uh, and hearing your story is great support for others I think um, and that money doesn't mean everything that's another comment it's never about money nope although it's, it's always good it's always good to be able to pay your bills there's no doubt about that it helps it helps uh, having nice things but at the same time it, when it comes down to it making those choices those tough choices in those moments where you're in transition do you remember we can look back with clarity now I can and I think you can with perspective standing in a different place but when you were at that 
point of going, do I stay and do I go? Getting you through that dark night of the soul, as it's known to be called, you know, what kept you from turning back and changing your mind? I think um, the thought of living with another either day or month or year of contempt just made me think, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's very difficult to live with contempt. And um, it's a, you know, it's, um, it made me think that um, it was worth going through all the, all the stress and um, turmoil of um, getting a divorce. You just have to keep your head down and know what your truth is. Listen to that wise it's like getting out into fresh, It's like getting out into fresh air when you're, you're trapped in a mine or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's Good. pretty much what it was. Good metaphor, exactly. Um, and when we have kids in, in trouble, too, so it's like a double full problem. And if partners don't deal well together, we did deal well together with our, our son when he was really having a difficult time. It brought us closer in a way, but when they're polarized and you can't agree on how you know what's real how to treat it how to deal with things it's it's impossible that's that's true and the, the, the other the other thing definitely was and it was probably even more primary than the contempt because i had been living with that for a long time is mm-hmm. the idea that um, a child will not recover in a, in a in a bad atmosphere that it uh, if you if you can't agree it sometimes it's better to agree to to move on yeah and, and it um, sounds like it could be the uh, camel the straw that broke the camel's back too when you absolutely and you know What's no, no child should be should be the rope in a tug of war mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yikes that is beyond painful and we suffer that anyway in divorce forget how the kids are doing personally and individually uh, to lay that on them on a happier note, I have a question here from uh, Camille from Boston. Uh, what was Elizabeth's area of expertise in the art world? My area was um, 19th and 20th century American painting and some sculpture up to about uh, World War II. Right. Is there a notable one that we, we might all know? Well, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard of people, um, you've heard of the, the Hudson River School painters. Um, there were many, there were first generation, second generation, and third generation Hudson River School painter. There were the American Impressionists, which included uh, William Merritt Chase and, and uh, um, John Singer Sargent, and although Sergeant, he's yeah. not really an Impressionist, it was a, kind of a misnomer. Uh, Winslow Homer. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the American genre show. painters who painted uh, scenes of everyday life. Actually, Winslow Homer did that. Um, Eastman Johnson. Um, the, the bigger names would be, uh, well, um, uh, Andrew Wyeth would have been too late for me, but um, pretty much. Uh, that's I'm a gamut, think, man. That's, <laughs> I can't that's think of anything else right now. It's been a while. I, I, left, I left the uh, gallery world in 2003. But, um, you sell yourself was, short, though, I have to say. I, I, I interrupt, but that's what I do. Um, <laughs> you okay. sell yourself short on the, on the... You said you're an assistant to the owner. I think eventually you, you certainly were a major force in that gallery over those years. Well, I started out as the assistant to a, a, a very, very a, an excellent scholar and art dealer. And then I moved on to another gallery where I... Okay. I ran the American department, which it was a much smaller gallery with a much smaller inventory. But um, yeah, I was I was a important figure in a in a smaller gallery, and um, it was a it was an important really gallery. One of the though. Greatest experiences of my life. I can't imagine having done anything else. I enjoyed um, every day I went into to to the gallery. I knew that I would be looking at at wonderful pictures all day, and that was. Um, it was very. The people were great. Um, the pictures were great. It was all, all in all, very interesting to me. Yeah, and you're so, still sound so passionate about it. I wonder if you still dabble in the art world or uh, in museums, at least, or around the world. Because I have another question here for you. I'm going to actually okay. read it to you. It ties in. You've lived all over the world. What, what places inspire you most, and which places give you the most comfort and art to see? <laughs> ah, well. Um, I have to say, I mean, I haven't. I've, I've I've spent the most time out of the states. I've spent in in um, England and in France, and um, I love both countries. And I, of course, love this. You know, I love I love America. I, I think America has some of the greatest art museums. I mean, the, um, not just in New York, but outside of New York. Um, I would say that uh, London a, a, appeals to me the most, or has has because I I also had a great love of. Um, 
English literature, and I was an English major. So it's sort of, um, besides having wonderful museums um, and being able to visit uh, paintings that I'd only seen in reproduction for many years, um, I have I have both um, the uh, world of museums and paintings, and plus the you know the, the literary figures I most admired in the nineteenth century. People like Charles Dickens and. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, living in know, London is like living in a novel or living in a painting. It, 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 it is. It is. It's, it's a very, it's a very comfortable. It's a very comfortable place for me, and I, 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 um, I, it's it's a place that I find very inspiring. It's a, it's it has terrible weather, but but it has it is one of the most beautiful cities in the world architecturally, and um, I, I think taking the double decker bus and riding on the top is one of the great experiences of life to be able to ride around London and just look at the beautiful buildings and um, and the beautiful parks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's quite a contrast. You spent a lot of time in Australia recently too. Yes, That's... and I abs- I adore Australia, and it's um it's it's uh, it's um the, its physical beauty is is astounding, especially um, the area around Sydney. Uh, you've never seen I've never seen a place with so much beautiful be- beautiful beaches and coastline and. Um, I, Here it's, it's like very America exotic. a few years ago. Yeah, it's it's got. Well, it's actually actually parts of Australia remind me of this um, Southern California, although Australians, you know, some of them sort of sort of poo poo that combination. Or I mean, that um, that uh, that comparison, but it's because it is slightly more exotic. It also has a lot of poisonous creatures. <laughs> but anyway, um, there are <laughs> oh, a lot of, of there are so many places that I want to go to. I want to go to India. Um, yeah. I want to go to China. I mean, I, you know, I feel like I haven't even started. I'm just... Yeah, I've, I'm with you on that. Let's plan something quick. Let's, I let's, have another let's, couple let's, questions. I got some blasting questions here, and they all kind of come together here. Does she miss being around other Americans when she's living abroad? And uh, do you miss the old-fashioned American food? And do you miss the familiar? Now, yeah, <gasps> yeah, you spend a good amount of time in America, but I, you are okay. It's a bit, you know, that's a very good question, because when people say, what do you miss most about American, America, I say immediately, I miss Americans. There's something, Americans are so different. We have such a different way of looking at things. I mean, if you talk to a Londoner about uh, projection or OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, nobody knows what you're talking about. But <laughs> Americans, we're all, we're sort of all medical experts and psych, you know, psychiatric experts. We, we right. know about so many different things and, you know, you, these are things you, nobody else in the world thinks about the things we think about. <laughs> So English is a different language. UK English is. We have so many sayings that are it's, closely they have their own. It's two, it's two countries divided by a common language, <laughs> Our, <laughs> which I think, is, I think is very true. I love English people, but I, do I feel like a foreigner here? Absolutely. Yes. Will I ever it, it be truly accepted? No. <laughs> yeah. No, there's something about if you're an expat, they assume you're going to be moving out any time and you've lived there for many, many years. So you're at your home. I think, we, I think they think that we go to McDonald's on a Saturday night and I'll take quarter pounders of cheese. I mean, I really do. I mean, that that's, that's, some of the questions I've been asked certainly indicate that our cultural life is wanting. Well, when I lived there, I did South South, the first Mex- the only Mexican restaurant in Covent Garden, because that's what I wanted as an American, so close enough to McDonald's, um, and guilty as charged. Mexican <laughs> restaurant in Covent Garden? Did I miss something? There is. You're missing something. Well, maybe it's gone by now. I re- I'll look up the name. It was oh, 20, I'll you know, if, you, if you can remember it, certainly let me know. I, I really miss Mexican food. Um, but definitely, <laughs> Americans. Too. Americans, are the, you know, we, of course, people don't realize that there are all different kinds of Americans, but I like all different kinds of Americans, I and know. I think you do, too. We are our own European nation with different cultures, state by state and uh, town by town, and that's kind of a cool part of the melting pot here. We say in Europe, uh, painted in blood, those borders, they hold on to them tight. The English are very much this way. If you go to France or Italy with a little baby on your shoulders, they go, oh, coochie-choo-choo, I love your baby. In Italy and UK, it's like, do you have a child? They should be seen and not heard. They're getting better, but they're really not great with children. They really... Um, they're not. The, they're not. Um, definitely, children should be, you know, up, up in the nursery with um, with nanny. Um, yeah, of course, exactly. I'm talking about one particular class. I'm not talking about. Yeah, it's true. We generalize, and, and that's we generalize. We generalize a lot. We sometimes live live up to our stereotypes, though. That's what I find. Now, listen, are you <laughs> or down to, to them? 
<laughs> Are you writing a book? Because you should. I'm getting here. I'm actually. I'm a writer. I'm a writer of short stories. I just yeah. my um, my uh, period of you know having my ankle broken has given me an opportunity to to spend more time <laughs> on writing. And so yes, I have. I, I do write. Um, we want. I think that, everybody's so. writing. I, everybody I know is writing. It's true. Um, We're having a radio writing? show. We're a blog. You know, we're all doing You're this. Writing? I'm writing. Your sister, you know, your sister Carol, has is, is got a, has got her own blog, and she's, she's writing a novel. Yeah, and she's inspiring a lot of this. She's sidetracked, uh, side, the sidetrack.com, I believe, at WordPress. It's a very fun, uh, interesting blog about sidetracks and how she uh, finds great food and great stories and in all sorts of ways. But right, it's a great new way of writing blogging. And But we need novels from people like you. She's writing a novel, too. She was originally your best friend who I followed around. It was That's really the true story. No one really knows. I followed around can, uh, my sister Candy and Missy at the time, and I was the little sister, you know, trying to get, you know, in the crowd, and they finally let me in. Imagine um, that two, two and a half years made such a big difference at that age. Yeah. Well, it's three and a half, really. Three and a half. And I'm holding okay, on to those three and a half years younger. Yes. Well, you were, you were quite the baby. I know. Not as well, women around. haven't had so much to say since the rise of the novel. That's all I can say. Women right. have a lot to say these days. Yes, and I'm glad to see that. It's a, it's a wonderful time to be a woman, we're hearing, and uh, we just are down to a very Unless few you're in Iran. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up, Elizabeth, I just want to say thank you so much for ch- chatting in and spending this hour um, with us here and sharing your stories. It's a different story than, than many you'll hear here, but a very important one, your choice to, to be a stay-at-home mom for the time and to also follow your partner and support him and, and have a great life and feel comfortable about all that. You are uh, an inspiration to me and I hope to others, and I hope you will all join me here next week with my next guest, which uh, a very interesting person coming on. Uh, Nancy Slotum Arany. You can read all about us at www.hearwomentalk.com or on my website, lifeonpurposeradio.com. This is Deb Coletti with Elizabeth Wom signing off. Love you, mean it. See you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. Broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. More information at hearwomentalk.com. Join us next week for another edition of Life on Purpose.